God's grace, his mercy, his peace, they are yours through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God we look to is the account Mark gives us of the transfiguration where Jesus, his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. There was Moses and Elijah, and then a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. This is God's word. One thing that is one of my biggest, I guess, disappointments or, or pet peeves is when there's a lot of hype about something and, and then whatever it is, it doesn't live up to expectations. Did you ever have that? I mean, it can be small things too, like you see this thing, oh my goodness, this is going to make my life easier, and, and you order it on Amazon, you see it, and, and you, you read it, you read the reviews, and then you get it in the box, and it's like two-thirds as big as, as you thought it was going to be, and you look at the construction, and you're like, this is pretty cheap, and for the price, is it really going to do what it's supposed to do? And there can be a full range of where this happens. We get used to it. Isn't that what advertising does? It, it promotes this thing. It's great. It's awesome. And then you, you bite, you buy. It doesn't live up to expectations. It can happen in sports. A season you thought this was going to be the one, and then, oh, man, one game. Or it can be in politics. Or even more so, it can be in life. How about today? What are your expectations in worship? A lot of hype coming here. We're meeting in person. Did the music bring tears to your eyes, make your heart beat faster? Is this pastor going to keep me awake for 15 minutes with a gripping message that may change my life? What are your expectations? Will they be met? But there's other deeper things too, right? There are things that we have planned in our life, and sometimes they don't meet our expectations, maybe relationships that we thought would be going a lot better and they don't seem to be going that great or they're a bit strained. Maybe it's health. We thought that if I did these things like exercise and diet that I would have a much better go at it, a lot less pain. The doctors wouldn't look at me as their mystery. And sometimes that trickles over into our relationship with God too, right? because we have all these promises that surround us. We have a, a savior that, that came to this earth. We've learned so much about him and he has the power to do anything and he loves us and yet, sometimes, my life isn't what I thought it was going to be and why do others who have no relationship with Jesus seem to be getting through unscathed and I sit here suffering in my way whether it's loneliness or sadness or disappointments, God could intervene, and yet it seems that he's so far away. That's what happens often when things that we in our mind have hyped up or have been hyped up to us, and, it, and in reality doesn't meet our expectations, and, and I think the disciples can relate to any of those moments that we have. Because it, it says as we go into the text that for six days, the disciples before the transfiguration, their minds had been spinning and you have to really understand what was going on before this. Jesus, and throughout the Epiphany season, revealed himself to his disciples. They had seen some amazing things. He called them away from their nets and from their tax collecting to follow him. And what did they see when they did? This guy could feed thousands. 
He could walk on water. He could calm storms. He could do some amazing things when it came to demons and and it came to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. He could school them on Scripture. They had seen him do these amazing things and here they were followers of Jesus. And then when asked by Jesus, who do you think I am? Well, you're the Christ, the Messiah. They got it right and Jesus said, on this, this confession, the church is going to be built on Jesus and hell itself could not overcome it and you are gonna be given gifts from on high, be able to forgive sins and do amazing things. You are followers of Jesus. It couldn't go better than that, right? And so they had these expectations that it was going to get better and better, and then Jesus starts having the conversation about going to Jerusalem and dying at the hands of the people in the church, that he would be beat up and put on a cross, and then he would rise again, and the disciples are going, huh? And then it got worse. If if you're going to follow me, you better hate your life. You're going to have to take up a cross when you follow me. And the disciples are wondering, this doesn't make sense. I'm following Jesus, and we see what he can do, and now he sits here and tells us this, and it seems like things aren't matching up. Why isn't my life getting better? Jesus needs to take them to a mountain and remind them of the kind of Savior that that he came to be. Although he could do these amazing things that he was doing, and the, the disciples loved being his followers when he did, he didn't come primarily to, to heal the sick and, and to drive out demons and to feed people that, that were hungry. He came to be the savior the world needed and the disciples needed too. And so this very special moment that we're invited to on this mountain is one for his disciples right there and his disciples gathered here online. Jesus goes to that mountain and does something amazing. It says he transfigured, he changed in front of them And what he did to show them who he was was simply allowed his glory to be revealed. The the flesh peeled back and all of a sudden, the different gospel writers describe it differently. It was so bright, it was blinding like light that you couldn't look at. It was was clothes that were so white, no no bleach could make them that white. It was dazzlement. And, And Jesus was just pulling back the curtain a little bit to show, do you know who you're standing in the presence of? I'm God in the flesh, but I am God. God who has come down, and the disciples saw it, and they marveled, and in fact, their emotions went from from awe to fear. Because guess who they were in the presence of? They were in the presence of God. What man, what mortal, knowing their heart, and knowing the nature of God, pure and holy, could stand there in his presence and not be afraid? Or better yet, who could ever even live? But there Jesus stands in front of them revealing who he is, the kind of savior that that they need, that that the world needs. But maybe the bigger question is, is this. Why would Jesus, who is God, ever be caught with three disciples that had nothing but questions for Jesus and really probably if you want to rate them according to this life in this world, weren't the, the ones that people would look to to say they are the rising stars. Why would Jesus be on a mountain with these guys when he's God? Well, really the only answer we can find is one that we all, all already know. It's because God loved them. And he loves you too.
That's why he came down from, from heaven above to be the Savior that, that these disciples needed, to be the Savior that you and I need, to be the Savior the whole world needs. God decided to come down, the one who created everything, the one who witnessed the world rebel against him for how many generations, the God that could have just started over with a snap of his finger, with the breath of his lungs, he could make everything go away, and yet what does he do? He comes down and wraps himself up in the very flesh that rebelled against him so that he could be the one who would take all that is wrong into himself and take it away. He could go down this, this hill to another hill and he could stand before God himself in the mystery that God before God, yet Jesus became the sacrifice that God would accept the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world and God could in one transaction make all that brings death and destruction and sadness and loneliness and hurt and shame, he could take it all away and say it is finished. And then he could be placed into a tomb to experience what our death is, but then the tomb would be empty, guaranteeing that everyone who's connected to this Jesus would have an empty tomb too. That's the Savior that we have that loved us enough to do it, that knew what lie ahead of him, and he was determined to go there and revealed to his disciples on the mountain that I am God who has come down to be your Savior. And he says that to you to do today too because he loves you enough to do it. But there's something else that happens there too. There's, there's two people that appear, Moses and Elijah. And, and Moses was the lawgiver, the one that led the people out of Egypt. And, and Elijah was the great prophet of God who was taken to heaven in the glorious way we just heard. These were men who walked the earth as flesh, representing God, leading his people. It's the, it's the law and the prophets. And they testified to this day that Jesus would come down and be the Savior. And really what's being spoken here on the mountain is God has a plan that's being carried out. And it went back to Adam and Eve and carried through the whole Old Testament. There's a reason why Jesus is here. This isn't just, oops, we're kind of winging it here. We're kind of feeling our way through how this salvation works. No, this was all part of the plan and Jesus was not going to be distracted by anyone. Not even his disciples from carrying out this plan. In fact, Moses and Elijah are talking already in the other gospel account about Jesus' departure, they are already talking about how he would do what he came to do and then depart again back to heaven. Otherwise, Moses and Elijah could not be there. If Jesus did not follow through on this plan, there is no way that two men could be in the presence of God in heaven above unless God would look at them through the lens of Jesus' completed work. And so we see that there is a plan that God is following and today you hear this knowing this plan involves you. Jesus is following through on the plan, collecting to himself all that he would touch by his life and his death and his resurrection. He has come to you and made you part of his plan, and he's far from done. And there's one other thing that happens that's really amazing. The disciples, they, they were frightened, and Peter really didn't know what to say, so he said, well, how would I build some shelters here? And I can do three. I'm, I'm, I'm just be a good host. Elijah, Moses, Jesus. Let's just stay right here. It's as if heaven has come down. And imagine if that's where Jesus stayed. 
Jesus didn't, didn't go to that invitation. And I wonder sometimes if we're stuck where Peter is, is too. We want somehow heaven to be now and to be here before our very eyes. What is your expect, expectation of your Savior, Jesus? Do you expect him because he has power in heaven above and because he loves you to carry out your every wish and your every whim? Do you sometimes get disappointed because of your life or because what you experience and it gets in the way of your faith and your ears get clogged up, you can't hear the promises anymore and you look at what's around you and it clouds what God is doing above you? Sometimes maybe we say the same things as Peter in, in fright and fear we don't know what to say and we want Jesus to bring heaven down to make our life a little better, to make our life a little easier and... and Instead, what does God do? Well, in this case, what he does is he comes in a cloud and has one more thing to say. God the Father spoke like this at his baptism, but he speaks again like this. He says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. That's really the marching orders that God the Father gives to his disciples. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And you want to know what, what Jesus says? He says that everyone who is connected to me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? Do you know what Jesus says to you today? He says to you that your sins are forgiven. Did you hear when the pastor announced it? That means everything that has been wrong in your life and, and everything that, that accompanies that, the guilt and the shame has been taken away. God has taken it into himself. It is not yours any longer. Today, Jesus comes personally to you. And it's not in a cloud and it's not in a voice, but it's in the simple thing of body and blood given and shed to you for you. And, and he says, listen, this is how much I love you. This is my gift to you personally. Everything is taken away. All is well between you and your God. And in fact, in this supper, as the Father looks down, he says this about you. I love you too. With you, I am so well pleased. Listen to Jesus. Don't let what we experience and what we think and what the world around us does, don't let the courting of the devil or our own sinful flesh put cotton in your ears and make you think too much. Listen to Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says as he says, I am going to go down this mountain and I'm going to go to another hill outside of Jerusalem and there I'm going to allow God to punish me so that he never has to punish you. Listen to Jesus, the one who loves you enough that nothing's going to get in the way of him dying for you and guaranteeing everything will be perfect once again. Listen to Jesus. No matter where you're at right now, listen to Jesus. He's worthy of your ears and your trust because he makes a promise that he is going to come back and he is going to make everything that is wrong right. Where there is death, he is going to bring life. Where there is hurt and sadness, he's going to take away all tears. Where there is shame and loneliness, God says this will never happen again. He is going to make everything perfect and God is going to be in the midst of all of it. And for this life that, that always seems to come to an end, to people around us and we stare it with our own eyes too, it comes to an end. Jesus says, no, no. I'm going to give you life that, that, does, that does not end. 
You see the Savior Jesus is revealing himself on this mountain. God in the flesh come down to save you. Jesus lives up to expectations, does he not? In fact, Jesus goes beyond our expectations. So listen to him. Follow him. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God that is ours through Jesus Christ who revealed himself to be true God and true man in the flesh so move our hearts to trust and our ears to hear that Jesus is the Savior that we need him to be. Amen. I invite you to open up your, your, your mouths and confess with your voices the creed. And this Nicene Creed explains